This is a podcast by The Straits Times. The uncomfortable fact uh, that there are certain jobs which would be coasted out of an organizational repository of skills. Um, those jobs can be easily disrupted, uh, can be automated, can be replaced by AI. And then the comment is on the particular position then it is layered by the performance in that particular position when you're talking about salary increases. You're listening to Career Talk, a podcast series by the Straits Times podcast channel, Your Money and Career. At Career Talk, we help you take charge of your own career and make your ambition pay off. I'm your host, Tae Hong Yi. We at ST are so glad that you are tuning in this festive season. One source of both cheer and uncertainty in this period for many is talk of performance appraisals, promotions and pay raises, depending on your occupation and industry. Joining me today to dissect the issues involved in today's market is Mr. Rahu Chawla, Partner and Head of Talent Solutions for Southeast Asia at professional services firm Aon, to talk about salary trends he has seen in 2023 and what lies ahead in 2024. He has over 16 years of experience spanning business development, human resources strategy, and compensation and benefits. His firm just released its salary increase and turnover report in November, and Rahu will be able to share more from his past experience and the report's results. So it's a pleasure to have you here today, Rahu. Thank you, Hongi. Thank you for having me here. Aeon released its 2023 salary increase and turnover report for six markets, drawing from data across 950 employers in Southeast Asia, including Singapore, on November 15th. Could you share with us some of the key results and what you found unintuitive? So we do this uh, as an annual feature, Hongi, and you like you said, it's around close to 1,000 employers that we get this data from. Uh, how we differentiate this from some of the other uh, numbers that you see is that this is straight from the employer. It's not a candidate's perspective as sometimes we get distracted by the inflationary uh, trends that we're witnessing from how candidates are jumping jobs. This is how companies are allocating merit increases, budgeting for them in their P&L. So this gives a view of what salary increases could look like in uh, 2024. Uh, the headlines over here is that employers across different markets are still allocating a salary budget, which is similar to what it was in 2023, which and normally these get paid out uh, in the first quarter of the year. And some of the markets are slightly above what they were in 2023. And these are markets like Vietnam, Indonesia, Philippines, with a few uh, basis points increase over what the salary was in um, salary increase was in 2023. When you look at markets like Malaysia and Singapore, they are budgeting for a 5 and 4% salary increase respectively, Malaysia and Singapore. This is flat year on year. What you really need to keep in mind is that when you say flat year on year, this is not the salary being flat on year. This is the salary increase being flat year on year. So 5% increase for Malaysia last year, another 5% increase for Malaysia this year. Similarly, Singapore was 4% last year in salary increase and another 4%. And like I said, markets like Vietnam, Indonesia, Philippines have inched slightly higher in their year-on-year increases. So what explains this difference in the trajectory between Singapore and Malaysia that have been flat in growth compared to elsewhere in the region covered in this study? That's an interesting one, right? So I would say that there are three factors which would potentially explain this difference in trajectory or difference in increases, absolute as well as relative. Uh, number one is the recovery from COVID. So 
there are certain markets uh, which were still recovering and the economy, because the nature of the economy was still recovering from the impact of the pandemic. Let's say Thailand as an example, which is very heavy on uh, hospitality and retail tourism, dependent on tourism. And it's generally now we see arrivals reaching to some level of semblance compared to what it was uh, pre-COVID. So number one, recovery from COVID. Number two, like I said, domestic markets, how the domestic economy is structured, reliance on global supply chains. Vietnam is a beneficiary of what is happening in the world when it comes to companies de-risking their supply chains because of geopolitical conflict. And number three is um, their, their overall reliance on the Western world, which is going through some of the changes. So if I take some markets like Singapore, big financial services headquarter, the inflationary impact and the central bank actions on inflation is creating an impact on Singapore. Hence, you know, salary increases tend to be flat uh, and not as uh, exuberant as they were in other markets. Vietnam, beneficiary of um, supply chain shifting. Philippines, a big outsourcing center, I may say it in a very rudimentary way. But then also uh, companies are looking at setting global capability centers in markets like Philippines. So your study covers how many industries for each of these markets? So we have around eight industries at a broad level, I would say, but they are broken down into sub-industries. Those could be financial services, and financial services can be, for example, broken down into wealth management, banking, um, but it spans financial services, retail, professional services, telecom, media, um, life sciences. So among these sectors, what are the sectors that are standing out for Singapore where wage growth is expected to be higher and why is that so? So I'll just take a step back and say, you know, when you ask that question on Singapore, it's very important to point out that out of the 950 employers that we surveyed, more than 600 were in Singapore. I think that's a comment on Singapore's importance as a regional and a global hub. 60% of the companies which have um, presence in Southeast Asia are actually also have a significant presence in Singapore, to put it in a different way. Now, when you look at uh, the sectors which were slightly above the 4% that I that I just laid out, and I also caveated by saying that it is slightly above. These are not which were really high. So this is 30 to 40 basis points at max that we're talking about would be sectors like energy, um, life sciences, retail, professional services, which I have come from. So these are these are sectors which were slightly above the the four percent that we're talking about, and then this is again a function of how recovery, global oil prices, gas prices are affecting. You know, we say retail is has had a decent year, and retail in itself is a big sector. F and B versus let's say telecom equipment will have different fortunes. Hence, it's always um, important to get granular about these things, and we tell our clients to not just look at headline news listen to podcasts, <laughs> uh, look at data, and then make decisions uh, on the back of this information. So what I found interesting when we broke it down into sectoral data across countries is that this projected increases for Singapore across industries is lower than the spread for other territories like Vietnam, for example. So yeah. is there any underlying reason that that might be the case? Fantastic question. Um, I would say that Singapore uh, traditionally has been a low inflation market. It is a developed economy. The ecosystem is not as volatile. And volatility is never a, is not always a bad word. It's good to be in a volatile situation at times. When you look at markets like Vietnam, Indonesia, they are also on a growth trajectory. The inflation rates are high. So the spreads are larger in these markets. So that's what explains why Singapore operates in the 3 to 5% range historically. Uh, but markets like Indonesia, Vietnam have, even within within the same year, 
uh, different industries will have different fortunes um, because of these these variables that I talked about. And I would also imagine that Singapore is starting from a high base to begin with. Oh yes, yeah. And uh, location strategy is a big piece. Companies are moving from high cost locations, and COVID just really accelerated that whole movement uh, towards lo- uh, location strategy as core and central to workforce strategy. Yes. So coming back to Singapore, then among those sectors where wage growth is expected to be more muted towards the lower end of the range, are there still pockets of roles or subsectors within which there is actually a lot more room for growth? And how can workers pivot to those roles? Yeah, if you leave the maths aside for some time, right, the fours and the five percent, the room for growth on compensation is high in sectors which are transforming themselves, digital transformation, e-commerce being the narrative in these sectors. So the grants available from agencies like SNEF, uh, which are job redesign grants, these are targeted in sectors and companies which are making that move. And that move is transforming business models and also looking at new jobs that, that will be required to take these companies into the future and how these jobs end up more integrated in the digital economy, which will have a higher watermark. So it's not a 4% increase. It's just generally transforming your job and how you get remunerated for it. And there are these positions and opportunities, I would say, available in, like you were saying, Hongi, in the unheralded part of our economy you know, for workers to really pivot towards. So the report also talks about new higher premiums. So perhaps could you share with our listeners what's that and why is it something of concern for firms? Yeah, so we did this um, specifically this year with a great amount of interest and anticipation. We've been looking at hiring reports in where people have jumped jobs at significant salary increases compared to your compared to the previous job. And we wanted to understand how companies are viewing this. So a new higher premium to answer your question directly is what is the salary being offered to a person joining a company afresh in a particular position and comparing that to employees who have already been in that role for more than a year and what's the premium? So if you, let's say, join Aon, we'll first of all welcome you with open arms. But like if you join Aon at $100, then I've spent 10 years with Aon. And if I'm at 90, then you are at a premium. That's the percentage amount that we're talking about. So comparing a fresh hire to to tenured hires. So is that a source of churn right now in Singapore? Is it leading to shorter tenures where employees can't make their mark known in the company and the company doesn't have the continuity to develop further in a certain, you know, rather there's a lot of volatility because of the lack of continuity. Is that is that is that currently an issue? That was a cause of concern. I was, I will underscore saying was a cause of concern. It was driven through primarily two factors. Uh, number one is this transformation that we're talking about, convergence of skills that were required for business model transformation across sectors, whether it's retail or technology, backed by liquidity in the system. When I say liquidity, it's capital. Cost of capital was much lower than it is today. And then companies are making beeline for this, these, these what we in quotes put as hot talent. So because uh, of this exuberance in the talent market and a demand-supply mismatch, more demand than supply, obviously these new higher premiums look bigger. Now I think what in this current environment of low liquidity, the equation is more balanced. 
the merry-go-round, let's say, has has stalled a bit. Now, if it, it creates issues at a compensation benefits level, HR management level, we can get deeper into it. Uh, but it's generally not the theme of the year, as I would put it now. And if we take a 10-year view, which we'll always love to in Singapore, this would be a point which is which should normalize, is how I would put it. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. And now back to our podcast episode. Let's get back to our conversation on the salary and job outlook for 2024 with my guest, Mr. Rahu Chawla from Aon. So another interesting data point that I saw in your report is that 71.7% of salary increases outrun inflation in Singapore. Do we have a sense of what types of roles and industries that are seeing more of such increases than others? Because I would imagine that there are certain pockets in which you're more likely to have a salary increase that outpaces inflation than another pocket. The obvious answer to this, and it's rooted in data, is the jobs which are in analytics, digital. Uh, So again, the demand supply equation starts coming into play. Inflationary increases are accorded to employees based at a large. And then obviously we look at, you know, how we need to make sure that hot talent, hot skills are retained in a particular organization. And that's how some individuals and positions get salary increases, which are outpacing inflation. And those are, if you look at analytics, digital jobs, we also have an environment which where industries beyond, beyond financial services are being regulated. So jobs in risk, compliance, audit are jobs which would be outpacing inflation and HR as well. And we have quite a few listeners who would be from HR who would be glad to know that we've seen from our data that HR jobs are also um, hot as organizations are transforming themselves, putting a new culture in place, grappling with this work from home, work from office debate. So these hot jobs aside, could we say that a lot of the roles where salary increases aren't outpacing inflation are not the hot jobs. So what might be some of the characteristics of some of these roles? And can they expect that their real incomes to decline? Yeah, so that, that's, that's the uncomfortable yeah. fact uh, that there are certain jobs which would be coasted out of an organizational repository of skills. Um, those jobs can be easily disrupted. Uh, can be automated, can be replaced by AI. And then the comment is on the particular position, then it is layered by the performance in that particular position when you're talking about salary increases. And then if a job doesn't require a high-performing, high-potential employee, classical talent management, then we would encourage or companies would do, do the right thing by encouraging these employees to move to jobs which are really hot or required for this transformation. So, and, and I'm saying, you know, it's not always digital. Risk and compliance are jobs also which are very hot. So it would be fair to say that com- the jobs which are falling behind inflationary increases are on the wrong side of the demand supply equation. The individuals over there may be high performing. They may have the, the hardware and the software, the mindset to transform themselves. Hence, you know, these initiatives which are multi-agency initiatives in Singapore, come to fore, you know, Skills Future, the SNEF job redesign initiative that I talked about, to encourage this move to higher paying jobs. So as you mentioned, you know, even someone who has the hardware and software but is on the wrong side of the equation, 
they can't expect a salary increase that outpaces inflation in this high inflation environment just by you know just by virtue of staying in a position basically yep yep so could you maybe recap then some of the advice you give to these individuals let's look at so then the individual and the sector right so is is this a sector which really is aligned to their aspirations when it comes to career is this offering the right opportunities for them to really grow in their career uh, is it aligned to the organization is aligned to their values then comes the fact around do does the organization offer them opportunities to hone their skill sets to look at different adjacent job family skills which they can shine in and then ask the question right what do i need to change we sometimes look at change and it's this huge beast that we are trying to fight with it is small steps these are relays that they need to take in the milestone that they can work towards and as the milestones are being achieved it is imperative on organizations to also reward those milestones so we can't say that you know once you're a changed person i will give you a salary increase and we are still staying in the topic of salary increase but let's say that there is a journey that you need to undertake to make sure that you are trained on data analytics and that journey has certifications and milestones so all of these can be rewarded and then once you achieve that there should be opportunities available in the organization to staff you in those positions hence you say it's the sector and the organization which also plays a role over here and then you have to align yourself to these change management initiatives so for talents who are currently in roles where the salary increase does not outpace inflation how should they interpret it what are the other factors they should weigh to consider whether this is a temporary issue for them and the trajectory for them the long term prospects are brighter or is it the writing on the wall to transform and shift into a role that has the sort of increases that can be inflation so you have they have to look at it from a perspective of is it a blip on the radar yes and that could be a sectoral play right even if the great financial crisis let's look at financial services which is always in the headlines when it comes to compensation we look at gfc the great financial crisis a salary increase for a particular year would not have been robust they were not but is that a sector that is does not have long term prospects it has been proved wrong if somebody had that notion since the great financial crisis till today there has been decent salary increases the sector has grown the bonuses which is a part of compensation have been quite good on a year on year basis so if you draw that parallels you know if a particular individual is not getting a salary increase in a particular year what lies ahead for that sector that is part one and then in a in within that sector are there opportunities that are available on a long term basis which will help them outpace the sectoral salary increases i'm not just talking inflation over here again i take the example of financial services risk compliance highly regulated sector risk compliance or hot jobs is not just digital so then i say okay listen if i'm if i'm just graduating today do i want to join a big four audit firm or join a bank maybe i join a big four today but i keep an eye on what the bank is doing and then see you know what is this aligned to my values does it align to what kind of uh, work life balance i have and then then see this is a prospect that i have in the near future so it requires some long range thinking yeah so if you could sum up the prospect right now for salary increases and bonuses in 2024 is it a bright picture or are there dark clouds ahead we are quite um, optimistic about the asean region as a services manufacturing hub and on the back of this optimism from an economic standpoint investments coming into the sector 
of Singapore specific, specifically being a big digital hub, financial services center, capital inflows, wealth inflows, I would see that salary increases uh, would continue at a, at a decent pace. The real wage growth, which you briefly pointed towards, which beats inflation, would also look more promising as inflation starts going down from next year onwards, already lower than what it was in 2022. So I would say that uh, in terms of real wage growth, 2024, uh, there are no dark clouds. The dark clouds could be there when there are certain sectors and economy uh, of the economy which get impacted by re- recessionary um, headwinds. And that may impact job creation headcounts. But if you are, like I said, you know, are in a particular position where you have performed and that position is part of the mainstream of the organization, then obviously, you know, they, you should, one should not be too intimidated by any clouds that are looming in the horizon. Even when say technology um, is one of the sectors which is above the 4%, when you're asking me the question on which, yeah, so technology is one of the sectors which is above the 4% in Singapore, while technology has also had layoffs. Um, so it does not mean that if this particular sector is letting go of um, headcount, they're not protecting the talent that they really need for the future. And I think that's a very good point for us to end off this podcast. So that was Mr. Rahu Chala on Salary Trends for the year ahead. Thank you so much for appearing on our podcast and sharing your insights. Thank you. Well, that's a wrap for this ninth episode of Career Talk. I'm Tae Hong Yi. If you resonate with the points raised, do share this podcast episode with your friends and family. Please feel free to share with us your personal experience and concerns about your salary and its growth. You can also get more career and personal finance tips in the latest edition of SD's Head Start newsletter. We have all the links in our show notes too. I'll be back on the second Monday of every month with Career Talk. See you again in the new year and thanks for listening. That was a podcast by The Straits Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3, you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O.